Welcome. I'm Therese Padegian, host and founder of Soulful Practices in Business. In this podcast, we have conversations that are created in the moment about managing business and practice life for soulful, intuitive practitioners. Thank you. Thank you for being on. I have the most gorgeous Renee Adir, who is the director of the Australian Dual College, where we do look at transitions through life, whether it be from birth to death. And I'm so honoured to have her on and for her time. I did my training with her in 2014 through to 2016, where I did my doula training and I did my, I did my childbirth education training. The world of birth and transition, this woman has taught me so much and I have asked her to come on. And Renee, I just can't thank you enough for your time and for your knowledge and what you are about to share. Can we, can we please start mm. with the transitions? One of the big things for me at the Doula College when we started was, you, um, I think you shared a quote, I think it may have been from Buddha, and it was like, the most important parts in life are your birth and the death, everything in between doesn't actually matter. Mm. Well, thank you first for having me on. Gorgeous, Therese. Thank you. Um, it's so great to be here with you in this context and not in a classroom <laughs> and you're doing some amazing work out there. So um, awesome for you and your audience. Uh, let's, let's see how many people we can wake up, you know, mm. having these conversations because I think that's crucial. Yeah, I talk a lot about in, in, in uh, doula training and uh, in any training and when I when I whenever I can is the importance of understanding what it means to have that you know that first breath the last breath and you know that's what it means for our spirit to be coming in that holy moment when a baby is born and the holiest of moments when we leave on the other side and I don't believe that that has over the last probably 50 years, maybe 80 years, 100 years, you know, that, that honouring of the spiritual and the divine through those major life's transitions is honoured and revered in the same way that we used to. And I think that, that the great thing about doulas um, is that they can help bring that in, bring that back, honour the mother, honour the father, honour the partner, honour the person who's dying, honour those around the person who's leaving um, because it's so profound. And when we, when we care for someone through those transitions with love and kindness and honesty, because there can be a lot of, I think, uh, dishonesty and shame and fear around birth and death, then I think we're doing ourselves a great injustice overall. And, and I think we don't know yet how much damage we're causing the human race overall. Mm. I think birth, you know, how we're born is so profound. A woman, a mother will never forget the day her baby was born. That story is hers. And if that story has trauma with it, that trauma stays in the body, it stays in her mind, in her psyche. You know, I was just reading some powerful new uh, research about um, it's, it's birth trauma week this week, so I've been really interested to read up on, on new research and postpartum depression is on the rise, PTSD for women and their partners is on the rise. And, and that is directly linked to the, the treatment they are receiving during childbirth. So 
we are getting it wrong mm. and we need to look at that and we need to do that better. Mm. I hear you. It's, um, it's, mm. it's interesting because when I stepped into the college, I actually didn't know what to expect. And then when I learned the reverence and it started when I was mm. getting pregnant, see client, pregnant clients coming, I was listening to them in such a different way it was a it, mm. it was profound and then and, and it, it just it was like we the holding if you want to say holding the space or being there right. present for them and you know mm-hmm. for me it was like you mm-hmm. taught me babies know how to birth okay let's actually see mm-hmm. what's happening around it can we take it back for our audience what yes. is a doula for those who do not know what what, what a, doula a very is. good question <laughs> <laughs> sure the word doula actually um in its correct translation means slave it is a greek word and it was initially uh coined by an american childbirth educator it's probably going back 35 or so mm-hmm. years maybe more now um and it, it came to mean to serve to be with woman and uh over the years that has grown and changed and for us at the college over the last couple of years it's expanded to really mean to be of service through mm. a life transition and um, to be present to provide options and choices to bring back the reverence we've just spoken about and the honoring of the transition whatever that transition might be uh, and to walk beside someone not to be afraid to sit in their vulnerability Mm. um, and to really help them come out the other side in a soft, you know, on a soft landing place, whatever that, whatever that looks like for them. And, uh, you know, we're filling a gap. There's very little continuity of care today um, in maternity health care, in palliative care and end of life care uh, in any space, uh, in, in any system, there's very little, continuity of care and the doula can be um, with you through a variety of of stages wherever you find yourself in that transition so you can be that connective tissue if you like that touchstone that one person that's there through the Mm. whole journey Mm. you know someone that can advocate for your plans and your wishes and and help you find your voice if that's what you need i find myself saying sometimes we're a blank canvas Mm. so if you know where we wherever we find ourselves you know i morph a little bit uh so that the 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 people the family or the person that i'm working with uh, has the best outcome for them uh, based on what it is that they want and we honor that Mm. without judgment yeah Mm. Um, I just, I just want to recap what you just said, which I loved, which we being able mm-hmm. to stand there in their vulnerability. So being able to mm. kind of to witness vulnerability, but stand in that. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the things for me is, you know, depending whatever past we have had, um, you know, that was kind of hard for me to do for so many. It's like, okay, I have to actually stand in the vulnerability. But once I stood in it, it was actually, yes. a, it's a totally different, it's a game changer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but a total, total yes. game changer. Mm. It, it is. I think in our society today, in our culture, we uh, have a tendency to want to cover up uh, vulnerability. We see it as a weakness. Um, we don't want to see people crying or upset or angry or whatever. We have we dumb down 
people's emotions because I think as a general society, we don't feel comfortable. Yet um, to have a baby, you are, there is no other time you are more vulnerable. <laughs> you know, when you are dying, there is no other time you are more vulnerable. Mm. I mean, there isn't. So how can we how can we move more forward to sit with people and not want to rescue them, not want to Ooh. rescue you, but be, be in that space with someone who might be having a really hard bloody day, you know? You know, women in labour, you know, sometimes you can be with them for 24, 48 hours and there are moments where, you know, you make eye contact and they look at you and they're desperate. You can see it. You can feel that energy. And, and, and by allowing them to know that they've got the power to go within, to go a little bit deeper and to do it, to birth their own child is so incredibly powerful and not to rescue in that moment, not to, not to buy in and help them move through that experience because the, the, the power on the other side is undeniably unstoppable you birth a lioness mm -hmm. a mother who is powerful and brave and feeling able you know when we're sending women home traumatized and feeling disabled they're not connecting with their babies they are depressed there's a deep level of sadness it affects the relationship and the knock-on effect for that can affect families well i think forever mm. it's huge it's huge because you talk about the energy on the other side and I remember my it was the second birth that I went to which was just the most beautiful experience and I'm like wow thank you for allowing me to witness <laughs> this and it was like and I, I'm just going to backtrack I remember when we were um, sure. in one of the in one of our classes um, I remember I said oh we have to hold space. And you go, but what does that mean, Therese? And I went, <laughs> you want me to articulate that? Like, I don't, I don't know. And it was great because mm. you went from this concept of what I think I was trying to say to you actually really bringing it back to life. You're like, well, what does that mean? You tell me mm. what that means. And um, to this day, I still go, oh, it's a plastic word. I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> But I, can, I, I know what it feels like in my body and I can say, yeah, I'm actually standing, I'm with someone, I'm present while they're actually being vulnerable. That's what I would say to right you. On. Right mm. on. I've learned. Oh, right on. I, yes. Right on. <laughs> but, um, That's so true. Yeah. With that, with, with, with the idea of vulnerability and the trauma that comes, I think, and we were just having that pre-chat, you were like, Trees, this is mm -hmm. huge because the mental health of people is actually huge and first up if we don't know what to do with our emotions okay right are we expected when a time when it is meant to be about you know heart opening space a new creation and we actually mm -hmm. totally disconnect from that is that are you able to share a little bit more about maybe what people can do or some realizations that we can have Oh, um, yeah, we've got a couple of hours. <laughs> I, I think the key is that we need to feel more comfortable in our own skin. People mm. need to be okay to let go. 
to be sitting in a space of vulnerability. And then it's easier to sit with others. If you recognize your own strengths, weaknesses and vulnerabilities and you're not afraid, then it, you absolutely can sit with someone else and acknowledge theirs without being drawn in, without wanting to rescue, but just be. I'm not so, so sure if I answered your question, actually. Well, you did because but, then I went, I've got, that's the other question I want to ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's where the system lets people down. There's a lot of people working with others through life's transitions, doctors, midwives, you know, health practitioners, allied health practitioners, all kinds of people, even counsellors, who, who, who haven't kind of gone through their own process. And so they do want to step in and rescue rather than just listen and be to assist someone else to find their own strengths and work and work through them themselves as a parent that's a really interesting journey actually is it? <laughs> it's, it totally is yeah yeah it totally is even you know my kids now are now in their early 20s and I feel like it's more challenging now to sit in their vulnerable spaces than it even was when they were Very children younger. growing up yeah Mm. you did answer my question which which follows on to another question is this idea of being mm. rescued so i want to say as a practitioner mm. um you mm. know we are grateful we go through a process where it's so results driven and we are part mm. of medical boards all of which i think is great for all the critical thinking part okay it's great yeah you never know what's going to happen so i'm so blessed and thankful for my education um and then it comes to the bit where it's like yeah, we actually, I, like, I don't know, like, you know, you're, we're based on results. This is the result. Right. Thank you. What's next? And even as a society as a whole, I don't know, maybe for the past 600 years, we're actually just looking at re for results. We haven't actually stopped back to go, well, why? Well, who am I? What am I contributing? And I think these are things which was what I loved so much about your training was, oh, I have to stop and think about these. Like, this doesn't make me feel comfortable. I may not want yes. to step into it, but I've actually, maybe I've taken that little path of evolution. I may have thought about it just that tiny bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the idea, mm -hmm. so where I'm getting to is the idea of the rescue. I want to ask, it's then the the clients or the the people who are going through this are wanting to be rescued. I think you're mm. a double-edged sword there. Mm. That's an interesting, that's a really interesting point because I believe we, we do live in a culture where because we're not connected in, uh, to our own strengths and vulnerabilities, we do want to be rescued during, during birth. And I think that there's also a lack of, um, y you know, independent education which does touch more on these subjects that we're talking about. Mm. So the, the feeling side of the experience and the growth from the experience from a personal level. Uh, and, you know, I think that makes f for a society that, you know, feels more comfortable numbing ourselves uh, through an experience um, like birth than actually not being afraid to step through that those vulnerable gates as i call them 
Mm. And, and I'm not sure when that happened. I mean, when I started, if I really thought about it, when I started dualering probably about 22 years ago now, mm. even in that sh- what I think is a short amount of time, birth, p- women are much more fearful in 22 years. I wasn't afraid when I had my children. I had two amazing home births that doesn't at all discount that at times I didn't feel challenged by the labours and there were moments of where I needed to be vulnerable. Uh, But no one in that space wanted to rescue me or knew that I didn't want that. That was something that I had worked on during my pregnancy. I feel like women are not working towards getting the births that they might aim for, if that makes sense to you. Mm. they're working till they're like 38 weeks pregnant. There's a lot of pressure in the home for, for, for both mum and dad to be working. Um, there's big mortgages, you know, life is expensive, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, they may or may not do some childbirth education. And then we've got the internet, which has this broad, broad place where you can seek out really great information, but there is also a whack load of bollocks out there that women are absorbing. And women, unfortunately, in our culture are much more willing to share their birth trauma stories to other women. And the voice of those that are having normal vaginal births are slowly being quietened. And so when you live in a culture where there's so much fear, you, you're going to be, you want to be rescued. I mean, the fear, it's fear of the unknown. You're frightened. You, you, you're going into a hospital mostly. Home birth in Australia is a very minuscule amount um, of opportunity for women to have a home birth or, or even birth centre. You know, that it's, if you're frightened and you're not supported, then, you know, yeah, you're going to be you're you're going to be putting your hand up and asking for external help, which is that rescue me, please. That's that external. We stop looking internal, mm. and and we look outwardly, like sometimes desperately, you know, to make it all stop. You know, birth is an inward journey. Mm. It is inward, and you know the hormones call you to do that. The, the the contractions call you to do that. Um, and some people are afraid of what's inside, mm. you know? Um, so it's a big topic, <laughs> actually. It's very multi-layered, you know? Birth is not just physical. It's spiritual and it's emotional. And you bring your entire story to the birth altar, to that day, to that, you know, to the labour. And that's very confronting. Mm. Can I imagine? Mm. Cool. Um, mm. It is. It's, it's like how deep of a conversation do you want to have? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you can go, you know, it, you know, I can talk about it for, you know, till the cows come home. I don't want to bore anybody. But I do feel like we're, we're, we're losing the spiritual aspect. And... That, that worries me a lot mm. because I really feel like without the feeling side, when you know, 
because we don't just birth a baby. <laughs> women, mm. women are born as mothers. And that acknowledgement, you know, has really diminished a lot. And, you know, in so many other cultures, birth is a rite of passage. Death is a rite of passage. It's not feared, it's revered and held in high esteem. Women are treated as a goddess. They're not fearful of the pain, you know, and they don't have the kind of shame that we seem to carry with us in our bodies as women in our culture. So it is a deep conversation and it's, it's multi-layered and it's really interesting to work with women one-on-one -on -one with these topics, you know, as a doula myself, not, not, not in the classroom mm. context, training doulas, but certainly really having the ability and, and, and the, the nows to, to speak to that. It's very powerful because most people haven't had that connection, not mm. in our culture anyway. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I learned from you was the idea of, uh, was the birth debrief. And I went, oh my goodness. And with all my clients, I'm like, here's a number. You need a debrief. Here's a number. You need to debrief. And I don't know if they call, I don't know mm. what they do, but it's like, whoa, like this is, a, this is a service that's actually needed. It's something quite huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Super important. Super important debriefing. I think it's, it's a it post in the postnatal period. It's a number one doula must do, you mm -hmm. know, um, particularly if the doula were, you know, if that's the same doula, so the same doula was there because, you know, when you're in a birth, your perception of what's happening around you is sometimes very different to, to mine or partners or the medical staff, you know, it's, it's different because you're in your own universe in mm. those, you know, hours, days, sometimes that's normal too. And so you know, I think, yeah, it's in debriefing is key. And I think it's definitely, definitely crucial for anyone who's had any kind of unexpected outcome so that that gets talked through. Mm, and not actually know. stored in your body. Bingo. Oh. And your mind and your psyche, and you your know, and, and everything, you know, and you're not looking at the baby going, you know, that was the worst day of my life. Mm. Holy moly. Oh, that just breaks my heart. Your baby's birthday should be the greatest day of your life. Mm. It should be something that women should be feel proud about and excited about and, and, and a story that they, they want to share with their child that's positive. You know, even if they did end up with an, a cesarean, you know, after an extended labour, for example, that, it, that it, during that experience they still felt held and heard mm. and that makes all the difference to the outcome you know you're doing your debrief and women can say well actually I know I did my best on the day you know I used all my tools up I had nothing left in the tank you know we exhausted all of our options and the baby had other ideas on the day mm. so you're going to feel much better about that at a debrief than you are about being wheeled off you know, and having a cesarean and not understanding how you got to theatre. Those, those women are going to have a very different debrief. That's uh, definitely going to be stored in the body, one, and the mind. And it takes a long time often for those women to really un unravel that experience. Mm. Mm. So can we talk about mm. 
some conscious practices that people can yeah um yeah can we actually talk about that what are some what are some things so debrief we just talked about right what's another Mm. practice that people can do either yeah post or pre or during or what what you recommend i think i think it all starts in pre pre pre-birth you know in pregnancy connecting with the baby however however we do that having a conscious time of day 10 minutes even where women sit and stop and focus on their belly focus on their baby smile Mm. and think good thoughts about about it you know get good education debrief during the pregnancy you know talk to someone about your feelings make sure that you're connected to your partner if you're with one talk about your feelings pregnancy is a journey in itself that's that's its own transition Mm. that's you know you could we could talk about that as well in its own you know being conscious around you know how you are eating what you're putting into your body are you exercising you know walking getting outside every day again i mentioned earlier you know women are working sometimes up to 38 weeks in their pregnancy and they're they're not really connected to their bodies at all and there's a you know there's you don't have enough time to prepare you know to be in a labor which is you know hard work it ain't called labor for nothing right but it's doable when you we've got those connections and we 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 feel like we're in the body right and not out here somewhere I think so many people are today. Mm. A lot of people don't just sit down and have a conscious 10 minutes of the breath, focusing in on the breath. Using positive affirmations is powerful. Mm. And that's something we do in the doula training, I do with all my clients. Positive, positive mind, positive thoughts, positive mind. And and uh, and you take all of that into the labour, and you're just going to feel stronger, and with that connection, and and during the labour, I think the most conscious thing you can do is block everything else out, mm. like literally, that it's that inward inwardness that's necessary, and fake it till you make it sometimes <laughs> works as well. Um, mm. Sure. And so, I think, you know, postpartum, I'll go yeah. on. You know, I was going to say, and what about post? Mm. Postpartum, definitely uh, there is the need to eat well. When you come out of um, your, your baby's birthday, uh, I recommend, you know, getting home as soon as possible, making sure you're eating well, good, you know, beautiful foods, fresh ingredients, lots of hydration, connecting with your partner every day if you're with one is really important. That It's just a simple, again, it's, I just say to people, if you can find 10 minutes in your day <laughs> to just mm. sit 
and for mothers not to lose themselves it's really easy to lose yourself and it's really easy because so much focus is on the baby um you know making sure that women stay connected to other women i think is really important too and that's been really hard through covid mm. because most services groups home visiting has come to an, a screaming halt so that's been that's been hard and of course the debriefing we've we've been doing a lot of debriefing online like this using Beautiful. zoom or skype mm. or facetime or something anything that you can anything that you can to keep reaching out is crucial mm. Mm beautiful Let's discuss some of the things which are big aha moments for me during mm. my training which mm -hmm. um which may be big aha moments for other people there was a lot of things i had no clue about um and that yeah so i would just love to stream something kind of some wives tales or some myths or fallacies does, it, does that work have you got a couple that, that you remember? I have so many. I have like so many. I'm like, <laughs> so uh, the first, uh, the first one is it's um, this idea of babies at the last minute, they'll actually turn if they actually want to, if you just let the things happen, because there's a lot that come in, oh, you know, I'm breach. And as a practitioner, I'd be like, oh, you know, I know how to, you know, do I know, I know how to I know mm -hmm. how to do this and then it'll be good for a couple mm -hmm. of days and then or a week and then they'll come back baby's turned again and the biggest mind-blowing thing was it's like you know babies turn last minute themselves I was like oh and that just put me to go trees you just get out of the way you're not doing anything here <laughs> yeah right yeah right well some babies will turn at last minute uh and others just want to be born breach <laughs> yeah and that's fine. that's a reality and and actually it's fine i mean the sad part about that in our culture though is that um it's um supporting a breach vaginal birth has become a lost skill mm. so a lot of the women who you know they get to 39 40 weeks their baby you know it might have had you know a great chiropractor working with them for example and they've turned tried to turn the baby again baby flips mm. around i'm like well okay that baby just is going to come out that way um but it as a lost skill in many hospitals and um, it means a cesarean for women unfortunately uh, disappointingly although now in new south wales we do have a breach clinic which is great Beautiful. And it's never too late to change your care provider is what I like to say to women. Find someone if you're, if you're willing and uh, really wanting your, your, your birth, you still want your birth plan. You know, you want to have a vaginal birth, find someone transfer at 39 weeks to mm. someone who will support you to have that breech baby. But it is, it is common for them to turn uh, sometimes in labor. Mm. it's just incredible in the same way that a baby will be posterior and i'm sure many of your practitioners uh hear about that too you know yeah. uh, some babies just want to take the long way around and it's it is awful uh, it adds time and and often pain uh, an unexpected pain to the labor for mum but again if we don't go in and rescue and we can support her during the labor to turn that baby from, you know, posterior to anterior, uh, you know, then she can, you know, babies will turn. They do. And some babies have also been born post posterior face to pubes. 
And interestingly enough, I've seen that a few times with women who have broken their femur or their pelvis mm -hmm. um, in their youth. And uh, um, one client I had I was with her for three of all three of her babies. They were all born in a posterior position. Wow. She had had a terrible car accident when she was in her 20s. And it just must have been the way that the baby felt more comfortable to settle in the pelvis. And they were all born that way. Interesting, nice. right? Nice correlation. Yeah. Thanks, Renee. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Another aha moment is Morton's jelly. So the idea Oh, Wharton's jelly. Wharton's, sorry, did I even say it wrong? Yes, Wharton's jelly. You did, well, no, Wharton's, 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 yeah. Um, the idea of the the cord in the placenta. Okay. The only way that like so it's always around the baby's neck. That's actually normal right okay so yes it, it is normal nuchal cord yep. is normal and and we get very stressed about it yeah you know the cord is covered with something called wharton's jelly good job tp and uh that's that is because you know um the baby's often you know the baby's always moving in there so it makes that it makes the cord very slippery naturally what happens when the baby starts to naturally turn and come down into the birth canal that cord gets wrapped around if it's very long <laughs> it can sometimes be wrapped around the baby's neck a couple of times 99.9% mm. .9 of the time it's not a problem and the baby can be born and and that uh, cord can be looped over the baby's head um, prior to the body being born very rarely does it need to be cut um, before that happens and it is normal but it, it often gets talked about as a really stressful, abnormal scenario. And uh, I've even heard doctors say to women, oh, the, the baby was wrapped, you know, the cord was wrapped around the baby. That's why you needed a cesarean. Um, and that's prior to labour starting. So um, that was, that seems odd to me because we don't know what's going to happen during labour and because the baby turns so much does a big job to come out and you're right the baby knows innately how to be born which is you know the biggest miracle for me but yeah i think uh it's uh ridiculous that we panic when mm. that happens mm. okay the next aha moment <laughs> is um the amniotic fluid when uh the, when the waters break and yes i think some women like totally freak out and then they're like oh my goodness i've got no fluid now or i'm going to get an infection i'm like you can walk around yeah. for two weeks keep it clean you'll be fine your body knows what to do yeah so what is breaking is a really controversial and interesting topic oh okay <laughs> um, it's what it we is well in the hospital. <laughs> it really depends, you know, which hospital you're with or which OB you're with, um, if you're with an OB, about how long is, you know, is it safe to have your waters, you know, broken for and wander around and, you know, all of that carry on. And, uh, you know, as a doula, um, you know, we say to women, it's, it's, you know, if the waters are clear, then you're in the clear. So if the mm. baby hasn't done a poop, you know, you're not, not seeing any meconium, then uh, a, a lot of labours will start that way. And a lot of labours might take hours before contractions kick in, you know, when waters break. Mm. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You, you, you're not going to go swimming. You're not going to sit in a bath. You're not going to put anything in your vagina that's going to push any infection up towards the baby. Now that that uh, sac 
you know, the baby's space, private little home, you know, that seal is broken. So mm. there is a risk of infection, but is it, is, is it, does it match the, uh, I suppose, the, the hoo-ha uh, and women being induced, mm. um, you know, within hours of that occurring? I don't think so. Yeah. The fear is, is doesn't match, does, doesn't match the scenario. That's, you know, of course, that's, of course, not if the baby's had a poop. Mm. That's a whole different story. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. Mm. The, the next aha, uh-huh, which was, this still blows my mind, I get so excited about it, is orgasmic birthing. And so yeah. to the extent where I got all the DVDs and I would just give them to friends and <laughs> clients and they'd look at me and it was like, it was weird. Like I got so excited about it. I'm like, you can have an orgasm during your birth, like go for it. And it was just, they just thought it was the weirdest thing. So can we talk about that? And can we prob- maybe talk about the reservations people have about it? Mm. Yeah, well, it it does blow people's mind to think that those two can go together. I can I'm getting a baby out, but I can have an orgasm. What? You know, it's kind of a bit mind blowing, but it happens. It happens, and um, I've I've been with women, and that has happened to them. They have completely let go, and that whole experience um of of birthing has caused them to yeah have have an orgasm because they have let go in a similar way to to how women do when we orgasm Mm. you know that you know that surrender that that we have to do to have that body sensation that that vibration and feeling that comes with an orgasm you have to surrender you have to get out of your head right Mm. And, 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 and be in your body and, and birthing is exactly the same. It's surrendering and getting out of the way and it is remarkable. And, and look, people will be seeing this and go, you've got to be kidding. It doesn't really happen. It's not real. It does. And there's plenty of Instagrams and YouTube things you can look at that, that really do show the, the level of love and joy Mm. that is available to us when we give birth. Mm. It doesn't have to be, you know, that scary pulling back. It's that moving inward, mm. you know. Yeah. So I've seen some pretty crazy stuff, but that's, that, is, uh, that, that always blows my mind. <laughs> it blows my mind. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Now, the, the, the final one, it, it's an interesting one, is because I remember when I was at, um, again, it was actually at the second birth, and the, mm-hmm. and the baby was such a beautiful birth, baby was born, you know, comes up the mum, and the husband looks at his wife and says, the worst part is over. And my head, I literally had a thought, went, sweetheart, it's just starting. Like, you are now <laughs> a parent. And it's this idea of how much we actually emphasis we put on a birth and not mm. necessarily as, hey, the next transition now is we're actually parents. Is that something you would like to comment on? I don't know. I thought we were winding up. You okay. might need a big one. Do you remember, I think I remember at the start I said I have a 
you know, <laughs> kids are in my twenties. Like right. I think that kind of says it all. Yeah. I, I think, you know, personally for me, birthing mm. my babies was the most empowering, easy thing that I've done in this whole journey of parenting. Um, you know, raising a child is sacred business and it's hard work mm. if you do it consciously and with awareness and that I, I, I have chosen that, you know, I chose to birth my children, it, it, you know, uh, without drugs and in, in a home environment and bring them in in a quiet, loving space. And I have tried my best, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes fell on my face. That is for sure to be the same in my parenting years. We, we, we do spend so much time focusing on birth, which is one day. And, you know, children don't come, they don't come in with their own, you know, handbook. They're all different. Mm -hmm. And I think we could do a lot in our culture to spend more time with our children when they're little and really get to know them and not rush back to work or feel rushed to do whatever. And, you know, grow better adults. We've got a lot of adults. We've got a lot of adults that are pretty messed up, don't we? Uh, you know, it's not to say that my kids, you know, haven't been through their own stuff, but uh, that's normal. I think we need to normalise what parenting is and it's a journey. It's another transition. Mm. And what's been interesting for me has been to see how, as a parent, I've, I have changed in the way that you, you move with a child as your child grows. I you know, obviously speak pretty differently to when they were three to, you know, how they are now. Yeah. Sometimes. Hey, one. <laughs> one. <laughs> There's a good boy. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, I'd like to see more support for parents in the home, mm -hmm. particularly in those initial six weeks because they're crucial. It's crucial time. And uh, I'd like to see parents more relaxed in those first six weeks yeah. and enjoying it, mm. you know, because uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of stress, unnecessary stress uh, during that time. Yeah. You never get those days back, TP. Mm, I know. They all say of a sudden, they're, all of a sudden the kids sleep. are taller. Yeah, they're taller than you and they've got beards and, you know, crazy shit yeah. like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, babies, babies go fast. Mm. Well, with that, Miss Renee, dear, um, what is is there one thing that you would love to leave our audience with? One thing. I know you can have a couple. So, it's, can I have a couple? I, I, I just want to say, like, it, <laughs> I'd love to say that wherever you are in the world at the moment, be kind to you and to be kind to anyone who crosses your path because no one has escaped the challenges of this year and what it has brought us as, a, as individuals, as communities, as countries and a global, in a global pandemic. Um, and keep on fighting the good fight because uh, we as conscious health practitioners mm. must. We must never give up. Mm. Beautiful. I like that. Never give up. Excellent. Mm. All right. Renee, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate 